Well, hey, good to see everybody today, and welcome to Centerpoint. If you're new here, my name's John, and I'm lead pastor, and I'm glad that you came today, and I hope you'll stop by the blue tables after service so we can help you get connected. So next week, uh, I'm welcoming a special guest. His name is Lance Witt. He's the author of a book called Replenish, and actually, it was reading that book, Replenish, a couple of years ago that made me think, I would like to do a series about that kind of thing, and kind of inspired this series, Rhythm. So next week, uh, author... Pastor Lance Witt, author of Replenish, is going to be with us. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it'll be a blessing to me and to all of us. Uh, but today, part two of Rhythm. So Rhythm, we're, we're learning to take to heart the wisdom of God's word for living with a healthy rhythm in our lives. It's sustainable. So I was thinking about rhythm, and it obviously makes me think of music. And I grew up with a lot of music in my family my grandfather was a professional musician. He was a major in the army, but he played brass in the army band. And uh, after fighting in World War II, just you know, played brass for the army. And, and then out, out of the army, directed choirs and, and was a high school music teacher, all that kind of stuff. So music from my uh, grandfather and then my mom, also a professional opera singer with a master's degree in voice, you know, a, a, a professional musician. So I grew up with music all the time. And, and I remember my mom, uh, she, would, she would teach voice lessons to students and she would teach them all kinds of things. She'd teach them about how to get the right kind of tone and timbre in their voice and the resonance and, and all of that. And and also, she would have to sometimes teach them how to sing with the right kind of tempo, because that matters too. In all the music that I grew up with, it, it, the, the rhythm is just as much part of the music as anything else. And, uh, and so we had this thing, well, not this exact one, the one my mom had was, uh, was wooden, uh, but we had this thing sitting on the piano, it's a metronome, an old school metronome. I mean, now, everyone who wants a metronome, you, you got a, you know, 10 million metronomes on your iPhone, right? But this is the old school metronome, and, and this thing just help, helps uh, set the, the, the rhythm, and you do like this, and it kind of makes the rhythm, and it's got all the rhythms listed there in Italian. If you zoom in on that picture, it, you know, you got a grave and largo, slow tempo at the top, and then animato and allegro in the middle, and presto or prestissimo down at the bottom, and, and this thing matters. It helps make sure that the tempo is right for the music, and I remember listening to my mom teach voice lessons, and sometimes I'd just be hanging out underneath the piano on the floor, zooming matchbox cars while she's teaching lessons, and sometimes I'd just be around the hallway in the next room just listening as she's teaching, and, and sometimes she would work on the tone and and presence, but sometimes she'd be working with a student, and, and maybe, for example, they'd be trying to work on the song Ave Maria or something like that, but maybe their internal clock just wasn't working, and so they start singing Ave Maria, Grazia Plena, and they just like run away, right? And obviously, if you've ever heard the song Ave Maria, you know that's not quite how it works, and so she'd you know, take some time to say, listen, I, I want you to get the rhythm in your soul. I want you to feel the tempo. And then she'd take this thing out, and she'd just start it. And she'd get it going and make them just listen to this adagio tempo. And then say, do you feel it? Now sing. Oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not Andrea Bocelli. I'm not even going to try. But you get the idea, right, that that helps establish the right tempo so that the music is what it was meant to be. And, and it's important for a singer, it's important for anybody doing music, but it's important for our lives too, that we have a, a timing that works, 
a tempo that makes sense for the life that we were trying to live. I find that in my own life, what happens is frequently I get into these moments where my life tempo is a little bit more like this one. It's down there in the prestissimo region, where it's like, I got to get this done, got to get that done, I have a deadline here, got to meet with this, I got to run over there, I have to get that done, I have to do these meetings, I have to go there, I have to make sure to get that done, I have to show up here, I've got to, I got to, and it just makes you kind of go crazy a little bit, right? I know I'm not the only one, and uh, just because they call it prestissimo in Italian doesn't mean it's good. I mean, it might sound like something good, but it isn't living that way. Really, I I think what, what God has in mind for me is to live at a sustainable kind of a pace. And it looks a little bit more like the rhythm that's called, in Italian, the tempo that's called moderato. And it sounds like this. It's doable. You can still get things done, but it's sustainable. But do you hear that bell? They put a bell on the downbeat, and it helps the musician set the right tempo. And that bell is what rest is in our lives. It allows us to set the right tempo so that we can live a sustainable pace, so that our life rhythm is built on rest. It's something that all of us need. It's something that God designed us for. And whether you're going to call your life a race or a song, it needs to have the right rhythm. And that rhythm needs to be built on rest. And for some of us, today we need to hear this desperately. We need to know that there's an invitation from our God to get his rest into our race. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this simple thought down. Get the rhythm of his rest into your race. That's my message today. Get the rhythm of his rest into your race. Because your race matters. And without the rhythm of his rest, I don't, I don't know how long you're going to be able to keep it going, but I want you to be able to keep it going. Your race matters. Your race is your assignment from God in this world. Where you're working and what you're doing with your family and, and what you're doing in this community, your race matters, but your race is not a sprint. Your race is more like a marathon. And it's important sometimes to step back and see it for what it is, that it's a marathon and that we're in it for the long haul. And it's important to get the rhythm of his rest into our race. And so I want to I ask you to consider this for a moment. The Apostle Paul talks about life this way. And he, and he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. I don't know what comes to your mind, but maybe uh, you, you might think about this like I do. And you think, run in such a way as to get the prize. And, and maybe you think like me, that's right. I want to get the first place prize. I want to get the gold medal, at least the silver medal. I don't want the bronze. I want to I win first place. But what's interesting is that as the scriptures speak about life as a race, there, there's, there's more to be said about it. And so in Acts 20, 24, the Apostle Paul says, my only aim is to finish the race. And so what that means is that 
running in such a way as to get the prize is about completing it. It's a completion prize. The whole entire course. And you and I need to be able to run the whole entire course and to maybe say like the Apostle Paul, my aim is to finish, to finish, to not give up and to not get ground down and worn out, but to complete it. And, and then uh, we also need to recognize that each of our races is unique. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says it like this. It says, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here's the implication. You've got a unique race that's marked out for you. I've got a unique race that's marked out for me. And I can't compare how my life race is going by looking at your life race, because yours is unique. And my race is different from yours, and yours is different from hers. And each one of our races is marked out for us by God to be run by us. And what we don't know is what actually are the factors about each other's race that may make it more challenging. Like for example, your life race may include tending to the needs of a special needs child. And that's a factor that makes an impact on what kind of pace you can keep in your race. Someone else's race might be characterized by the calling to build a business that's gonna employ 100 people. That will affect the kind of pace they're able to keep in different areas of life. But for all of us, no matter what that race looks like, we need the rhythm of his rest in our race. That's what we need, it's what we're, what we're made for. And for some of us, uh, we're we're not really getting enough. I mean, that's just the bottom line. We live in a culture that uh, we, we kind of pride ourselves on overbooking and double scheduling and multitasking and spinning and juggling so much. You know, this is life in Southern California in 2019. And it leads to uh, a degree of productivity, but it also leads to a degree of harm. I mean, statistically, it's just the truth. It's, it's, it leads to chronic, chronic illness. I mean, that's the scientific analysis of things. The pace that we keep leads to a lot of us being unhealthy. Chronic illness, 35% of us certifiably don't get enough sleep to maintain physical health. <laughs> and we, we, one out of five of us, I read, actually have a sleep disorder. And that that lack of rest comes at a cost. Comes at a cost. Costs our country about $400 billion a year in terms of lost productivity and medical costs. I mean, the lack of rest is costly. It's a real thing. And in Southern California, we've got the unique challenge in that a lot of us spend two or three, maybe even more hours a day commuting. And that just grinds us down so bad. But the solution is not to move to Idaho. Come on, tell me you haven't heard that from somebody in the last three weeks, right? It's just not, it's not. You know, I, I actually read a study about um, the 10 least stressed out cities in the United States of America. 
And not a single city in Idaho was on that list. Not a single one. <laughs> That's the truth. In fact, what I read was that Boulder, Colorado is the number one least stressed out city in the whole entire country. And what I read about Boulder, Colorado is that the average person in Boulder works 34 hours a week, and they have a 14-minute commute, and the divorce rate is 7%, the bankruptcy rate is 0.1%, and they all get 7 0.4 hours of sleep every night. So happy campers live in Boulder, not Boise, just for the record. <laughs> Listen, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. And while you're turning to Matthew chapter 11, we don't need to move somewhere else thinking that that's going to make everything better. What we need to do is look at how we're living our lives right here, right now, and see if there's a way that we can get the rhythm of his rest into our race. I'm not telling you to quit your race. Your race matters. I'm telling you there's, there's a way to get the rhythm of his rest into your race. And so I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that you would have a soft and open heart to receive the word of God. I feel like even in this moment, like some of us have the bars up, like, I, I can't even hear this. You don't even know how much I have to get done this week. <laughs> That's exactly why I'm bringing this message. So we're going to turn to Matthew 11, because these are your Savior's words for you, and it's what he wants for you. It's an invitation. I, I can't take away all of the factors of your race. I can't take away how many activities that your kids need to do, and I can't take away the assignments that are really yours to complete for your job, and, but I can give you the invitation of Jesus to live differently even in the middle of it all, and so this is his word. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Verse 28, one more time, and I want you to say this out loud with me. Ready? Go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is the invitation of Jesus. And, and I was reading this, and I was thinking, you know, those are two powerful and strong words there, weary and burdened. And as I think about it, those are two words that probably could apply to at least half of us in some way, weary and burdened. I mean, for some of us, we're physically weary. We're just physically weary because our job keeps us on our feet 13 hours a day or more, and our body is tired out. We're physically weary. For some of us, that's the case. Or others of us, we're physically weary because we have a health condition that we haven't found a solution to yet, and it does cause a, a weariness of sorts. Others of us, we feel emotionally weary because of the, the tension in these relationships that just doesn't seem to find a resolve, and it's grinding us up inside, and so we feel a weariness about it. Others of us, we feel weary financially, right, because we just feel like it's piling up, and we don't know how that mountain of bills is ever going to get moved, and others of us, we feel weary uh, spiritually even, because we've been, we've been waiting a long time, and like the 
the line of that song, walking around these walls, I thought they'd fall by now. We, we're living with that tension of we keep on waiting and hoping and praying, and, and that can feel uh, wearisome sometimes. And others of us, we feel burdened just because of the expectations and the pressures that they have and she has and he has and all of it seems to just pile up on our shoulders and it leaves us weary and burdened. And in a sense, many of us might hear the words of Jesus and say, you're right, and that's how I feel. And the truth is, if we were left just to ourselves with all of that, and I could go on, right? If we were left to ourselves, it would be too much. But Jesus, in a sense, says, I'm not leaving you to yourself. This is my solution for your weariness and your burden. My solution is come to me. Come to me. I will give you rest. That's his invitation. Come to me. It's his promise. He's he's in a sense saying, I see all that you've got going on, and I know that it matters, and I know that you've got to complete so many things, but come to me. I want you to also receive my rest. Jesus is looking and saying, I know, I know that there's such a, a tension in those relationships and it's grinding you down. I get it, but you're not alone in it. I want you to come to me so that you can experience rest instead of just the grind. And, and so I'm giving you the invitation of Jesus. Come to me, he says, and you will find rest when you're weary and you're burdened. So this message, get the rhythm of his rest into your race, matters for some of us. And so today I want to get practical, and I want to show you seven practical ways to get the rhythm of his rest into your race. Uh, On one hand, this can be simply an instantaneous, supernatural thing. Come to him, and he gives you rest. It, It can be. But at the same time, I think it's also just as important that we discover new ways to live that are more sustainable so that we can be pliable and open to be able to receive his rest the way he wants to give it to us. So uh, I'll blaze through these uh, quickly, take some notes, and pick one or two that you're going to say, that's mine, that's mine, I'm going for that one. Or maybe if you're an overachiever, go for all seven, but that could wear you out too. So (laughs) number one, better your body. Better your body. I really mean this. Our need for rest, it, it entails the wholeness of who we are as people, And it is a spiritual thing, it's an emotional thing, and it's also a physiological thing. And when we need rest, we need to understand that part of where we need the rest is is in our physiological experience, in our physical body. And so I'm telling you, better your body in whatever way you can. I mean, maybe bettering your body would be like finally getting back on a a path of doing some exercise four or five times a week. And for somebody, I really believe that's a word from God for you. He cares about your physical body. You're going to feel ground down and weary if you don't tend to what is called the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says it like this. It says, don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? This This is something valuable. It's physical you. So, so better your body. Maybe for somebody, bettering your body would look like uh, changing up what you're eating. 
You know, I, I've discovered as I've entered into the 40s that I can't eat the same way I used to when I was in my 20s. Now I understand. I'm like, oh, this is why all those older guys used to always order a salad for lunch. Now I get it, you know? Like, but, but it's a choice to better your body. Say, it matters, and if I want to receive his rest, I need to make some different choices with what I'm doing with my physical body. Maybe for somebody, bettering your body would be, look like a, a first rung of the ladder. I'm just going to do a walk around the block once a day. And for somebody, that might be a major improvement. That alone might be a, a first step towards bettering your body. But if, you wanna, if you're saying, God, I need to rest, but you're treating his temple that he gave you like garbage, those things don't go together well. To really receive his rest, you need to take some responsibility for this. I've discovered I feel like garbage certain days after what I ate the day before. And I can't feel very rested, but it has everything to do with what I put into my body. So I'm just discovering how crucial it is if I'm going to experience rest to better the body. Number two, kick up the care casting. Kick up the care casting. Here's what I mean. First Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. But here's what I do instead. I take all my cares and I bring them in close. I care about this. I'm worried about that. I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about that. I can't stand this. I'm, I'm, I'm hung up about that. And I carry them close. And you know what that does to me? It wears me out. It tires me out. And my God has said, cast them. Cast them on me. I love the way it puts it in Psalm 55, 22, where it says, repeat, where 1 Peter comes from, it says, cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. When I take all of those cares that I'm carrying around, and I cast them before the Lord, I end up feeling relief. And I love the fact that the scripture says, Cast them. And it's this word in, the, in Psalm 55, the Hebrew word shalak, which means to chuck them down forcefully. You know? And sometimes we think we need to be nice and polite with God. Uh, God, I'm very sorry to bother you with this thing, but could you? No, but it just says, no, chuck them down before him. All of your cares. God, I'm so concerned about this thing. I can't carry it anymore. God, I'm tied up about this other issue, but I can't carry it anymore. I'm handing this to you. I'm throwing this down before you. And when I cast it down before him, it's off of me. And then relief comes, and then rest can come. Do you see it? Y'all are so quiet right now. You think I'm preaching a boring sermon, I think. I could do that. You could, you could say amen. It might help you to get your blood flowing. It'll definitely help me to feel encouraged about what's going on here in this room. <laughs> Number three, lean into life-giving relationships. Lean into life-giving relationships. This is the reality. Your need for rest includes the need to connect with people who can love you and who you can love. It's part of your experience of rest, and so there's a need to lean in to life-giving relationships. The scriptures say in Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. And the implication is, if we don't lean into life-giving relationships, we're not going to be able to carry each other's burdens, and we will not be fulfilling the law of Christ. And so we, we've got to learn to lean in to life-giving relationships in whatever way we can. And sometimes that looks like saying, all right, on my commute, I'm going to schedule a time with my buddy where we can get on the phone with each other for 20 minutes. 
to make sure to just carry each one another's burdens a little bit in the way that we can. Lean in to life-giving relationships, but by, uh, by the way, there's also sometimes a need to lean out from the life-sucking relationships, because you know there are some of those, don't you? And unless you've gotten a sense that God has uniquely called you to serve somebody who sucks the life out of you, you may need sometimes to put a boundary in place and to say, I, you know what, I, I'm not able to. I, I'm not able to do that at this time. God is not calling me to, and I'm not going to. I'm going to lean out from the life-sucking relationships. I just didn't want to put that on the screen. I, I just thought <laughs> it looked better this way, <laughs> life-giving relationships. And number four... How about a hobby? How about a hobby? And note, Netflix is not a hobby. <laughs> How about a hobby? I mean, the scripture says this. It says in Psalm 127 too, it's useless for you to work so hard from early morning till late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. If all it is is work and nothing else, and the, you're not going to experience rest, but a hobby is a way to experience some real rest. And so uh, think about what you could do for a hobby. I've got different kinds of hobbies. Like, for example, one of my hobbies is paragliding. And I love to go down to Torrey Pines Gliderport in San Diego and fly. And I can only get to do that about once a month because it takes, you know, it's a six-hour type of a thing. But I've got 10-minute I've got hobbies, too. And I've recognized that for me, if I could choose to sit down at the piano or pick up a guitar for 10 minutes, that will fill my tank more than four hours of watching something on Netflix. But what kind of thing could you do or re-engage with that would be life-giving for your spirit? How about a hobby? I think about Jesus and how many times in the Gospels it says that he went out on the lake with the disciples. And on one hand, you could look at that and go, yeah, that's just because it was the geography of the region. I don't know. They could have walked around. I think he liked being on the lake. I think it, he liked being on the water. I think he liked seeing his disciples in that moment where they couldn't do anything but just kind of sit there on the boat and be. I mean, this is... Jesus. It's part of the rhythm of his rest. And number five, prioritize personal care. Prioritize personal care. All of us know the scripture that's called the golden rule from Mark 12, 31. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I think it's wonderful for every one of us to engage in some loving our neighbor. But let's not forget the way the sentence ends as yourself. You, you've got to be able to take care of yourself and, and make sure that there's love there so that when there is a neighbor who needs some, you've got some. And so you love your neighbor as yourself. You've got to prioritize the personal care. And personal care looks different for each one of us, but you've probably got some things that you've been neglecting. You're supposed to go see the dentist and get that tooth fixed. You can't even make the time to get the appointment on the calendar. Do it now, this week. <laughs> Someone else, it's time, it's time to get a routine that includes a little bit of health care of some kind or another. And number six, shift your schedule. Shift your schedule. There may be some things that you've taken on that really weren't meant to be a part of your race. There may be some things that you've put into your schedule that God didn't mean to be a part of the course of your race. 
and it might be time to shift your schedule now. And it is okay to utter this particular two-letter word. No. Hey, could you be a part of, could you be a part of this committee that I, that I need people for? No, there, you just proved it. You can do it. You're able to say that word. It works. It's powerful. And for somebody, it's time to exercise that particular power. And number seven, energize your spirit through encounter. Energize your spirit through encounter. Remember that Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Jesus was initiating encounter. We too easily sum up our, 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 our spirituality with, with religion. And Jesus is saying, but what I really want is for you to reconnect with me and have an encounter with my power, my presence. What I think we need is an experience like the prophet Zephaniah spoke of, where in Zephaniah 317, it says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves you, and he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. That's an encounter, and you can energize your spirit through an encounter. And so instead of just checking the box that you did your Bible reading time, how about entering into the courts of his presence and experiencing a time of encounter with him where you can supernaturally receive his rest for your race. It's what we're all in need of, every single one of us. Let me take you back to Matthew 11 again. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you. You know, this is one of those words that uh, it's, it's a metaphor that comes from agriculture, and maybe for a number of us, we might instantly get it, but for others of us, we need to just make sure we understand what this is. Here's what a yoke is. A yoke is that wooden device that puts the two animals together so that it's not just one of them pulling all the weight, but so that there, there is a, a working together to pull what needs pulling. And Jesus, when he says, take my yoke upon you, it's like as though he's saying, I'm already here with the yoke on. I'm already ready to pull. I'm already there, but come alongside me and watch what my pulling power can do in your life. And, and actually, I like this next picture because it shows it maybe a little bit more accurately. It's, it's like he's the one on the left, and I'm the one on, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, he's the one on the, yeah, your left, <laughs> and I'm the one on the right. You know, he, he's the one doing doing the major pulling. He's the one doing the work. He invites us to take his yoke. And sometimes in my life, I feel like, for me, it's actually a little bit more like this next one. It's like, like that. And uh, I'm the guy on the, on, on the right there. You know? But he still says to every one of us, take my yoke upon you. Let me demonstrate for you my pulling power in your life. When you feel too weary, when you feel too burdened, like you can't even go a, a, another inch, Watch what I can do for you. Watch what I will do through you. And, and I'm, I'm eager to experience what the Apostle Paul spoke of in Colossians 1.29, where he said, I, I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Actually, why don't you read this out loud with me? Ready, go. 
That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. That's a different proposition than working and struggling so hard depending on nothing but my own weary self. No, no, no. That's an endless supply. That's a pulling power that lasts, and it's what we're made for an experience of. And when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, it's because he wants something like that for us. Speaking of bettering the body, recently I've been uh, working out with uh, Eric, and Eric is a guy who, uh, he's, you know, built like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, one of those type of just incredibly strong guys, and he's got more strength in his pinky than I have in my whole entire arm, right? And, and so we're, we're working out, and we're doing bench press, and he says, all right, you're doing good. Well, let's rack it, which means, like, let's double the weight, you know? And, and so he does that, puts the plates on both sides, and, and he says, go ahead, go ahead, push. And I'm doing the bench press, and, and I can barely get this thing off the bar, but all of a sudden, you know, he starts spotting me, and... Uh, and then and he's like, it's all you, it's all you. And the weight's like flying up to the ceiling and back. He's like, it's all you, it's all you. And I get off and I'm like, it wasn't all me, it was not any of me. <laughs> but it, to me, it was a little bit of a picture of when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. You know, that, that he's willing to do the pulling and do the, do the lifting in and through our lives so that we're able to sustain the pace that we need to sustain in this race that we're running called life. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. But gentle and humble in heart matters. When Jesus says, I'm gentle and humble in heart, don't mistake what he's saying. We might think gentle and humble in heart, and we might think ineffective, unproductive, not able to make it happen. (laughs) But nothing could be further from the truth in the case of Jesus. There's a way to be incredibly effective and productive in making things happen that is gentle and humble in heart. Gentle and humble is the opposite of driven and arrogant. And and for Jesus to be gentle and humble in heart is about him living with this recognition, I'm I'm doing what I see the Father doing. I'm saying what I hear the Father saying. It is the Father in me accomplishing what I'm here to do. And and that kind of gentle, humble heart is what we're made for too, to run this race and do what we've been called to do in the race that's marked out for us, but to do it with a gentle, humble heart that knows God's at work in me. God's at work through me. I can lighten up because I know that he's pulling, and I'm showing up, yes, but he's pulling through my life. It's what we're made for an experience of Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I want us to take a moment and pray together. I think some of us need to receive his rest right now, and I want to pray that you would. So seven seven things that you can practically do to experience his rest, that's, that's one side of the equation. And I hope you will pick one or two of those things and say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for that one. Maybe this other one. But even more, you need the supernatural exchange. It can take place in an instant in his presence. 
Maybe for somebody today, what you need most is this moment right now to experience his capacity to lift the weight. So let's take a moment and pray. God, I do pray that in this moment, you would do what you alone can do. And that for some of us in this moment, we would receive rest. Jesus, your invitation was so simple. You said, come to me when you're weary and heavy and burdened. I will give you rest. So we want to take you at your word. And so God, thank you for all of the practical things that make sense to us. But now, God, would you do the supernatural things that might even go beyond what we can make sense of? If you're here today and you would say, the whole weary, burdened thing, that describes my life these days. And I need his rest. If if you just would ask God to give you his rest and you you need it desperately, would you just raise your hand with me as a way of saying, I need need that rest Jesus promised. And so for a good number of us, God, would you look at us as your kids or just simply saying, Dad, (laughs) would you help? (laughs) This This is where we are for some of us. We need this supernatural gift of rest from you, Jesus. And I pray, Father, for that rest to come right now to each one of us who need it. And Lord, we hand off to you our weariness. We hand off to you our feeling of being burdened. We, we hand it to you, God. And we ask for that rest to come in right now like a flood. While I was praying earlier this morning in the worship center, I saw this vision of a person going through a jungle with a machete, kind of chopping through, and, and it felt like, man, this is going to, this is going to, wear the person out but the sense from God was yeah but look and just a little bit ahead the jungle cleared completely and that pace of having to cut through the jungle was going to come to an end and I just take that as a simple spiritual picture for someone today of what is around the corner for you that this particular season of having to cut through so much uh, that it comes to a clear right around the bend and relief is just ahead so I declare that over someone in particular today and maybe for a few of us we might do well to say if that is God speaking through a word of knowledge I receive it but now let me remind you of this simple truth Jesus said come to me all you who are weary and burdened And for a number of us today, the truth is maybe we've never come to Jesus. We've started coming to church and trying to figure things out, but what you really need is to come to Jesus. And to come to Jesus means to acknowledge who he is as Savior and to ask him to forgive you and save you and just simply begin to tell him, Jesus, I believe in you and I give my life to you. Part of what might be making you weary right now is carrying around the weight of guilt and sin, and he wants to break that off of you so that you can be free and experience his rest. And so if you're here today and you've never really come to Jesus, but you would like to ask him to forgive you and save your life, why don't you just raise your hand right now? That's you saying, that's me. I need Jesus to forgive me and save me. Right over in the back? That's great. I just want to make sure I don't miss you. So raise your hand really high. I want to connect with you. I want to pray with you. If you're saying, I need to ask Jesus to forgive me and save me. Over here in the front. Thank you. 
Excellent. And the couple of you I've just prayed with, just pray with me and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm asking you to forgive me and save me. Would you give me the gift of new life? I receive it now by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.